Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 142, Traveling with Your Own Firearm to Turkey Hunt. And I am your host, and the guy who got a call from his neighbor saying that the wild turkey who has taken up with his chickens in his backyard has crossed the fence and is in my yard and wanted me to scare the turkey back over the fence so that she could get there with the chickens and eat. Well, I told my neighbor that if there's anything I have a lot of experience at, it is scaring wild turkeys. So I would be happy to go over there in my yard and scare the turkey, which I was kind of surprised took me a little bit longer to do. The turkey kept trying to fly into the fence. I have a hog wire fence along that section of the property line, and I'm sure the turkey is looking more at a distance than it is right up next to its head, and so it just could not figure out how to get on the other side of that fence which is really kind of interesting given the fact that wild turkeys in this state are probably very familiar with crossing fences. I'm not sure how many hog wire fences they see in the woods, but barbed wire fences are everywhere. So that kind of threw me off a little bit, but irregardless, the turkey is back in the neighbor's yard and she's over there eating with the chickens and she just thinks life is rosy. And speaking of life being rosy, it's getting more and more rosy every week that goes by. Today, we are 245 days, 11 hours, 54 minutes, and 20 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. 245 days. So, you guys know that I've got a bunch of projects still going on at home right now, and work is really busy as well. Even though there is a light at the end of the tunnel as far as work is concerned, because very soon the summer home buying season is coming to an end. So, because work is very busy and because I have so many projects going on, my intro and outro will be quickies this week. So today we're going to talk a little bit about traveling to turkey hunt. Specifically, we're going to talk about traveling with your own firearm to turkey hunt. Now, I love to travel. 
and I love to explore new places. And I think most of us hunters are part explorer anyway. You know, you may not have ever felt the urge to travel out of state or out of the country to turkey hunt or to hunt at all, but I bet you've caught yourself wondering what is around the next curve in the road or the next bend in the creek or even over the next hill. And that curiosity and that urge to explore actually got the best of me in Arizona when I just had to walk down the side of the mountain that I was on. And that was about a six to 700 foot elevation change. And walk up the next mountain that was on the other side of the draw, which was about a six to 700 foot elevation change, just to see if I could see the Grand Canyon any better. You see, the other mountain that I wanted to climb had been cut, and there was basically no timber on it. So I had to get over there to see if I could see the Grand Canyon any better, and I could, and it was awesome. So I'm definitely glad I did that. Now, you guys definitely know that I love to turkey hunt, and when I can marry those two passions together, turkey hunting and traveling, I am one very happy person. And one thing that I've noticed when talking to other people, hunters and non-hunters alike, is that I often get questions about how difficult it is to travel with firearms when hunting. So that is actually what I'm going to talk about today. It is part of what one of you guys who sent an idea or a show topic suggestion in to me wanted to learn about. And that person was Matt Allen wanted to know about traveling and turkey hunting. And so we've been talking a little bit about the traveling and turkey hunting part when we're talking about hunting out of state and how to pick outfitters and how to choose a, the right piece of public land to hunt on and that kind of thing. But I thought, you know, this is a little bit technical. This is something that a lot of people don't really think about when it comes time to plan a trip. And we need to think about it. It is something that is very important for us, and we need to think about it. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. And you guys already know there are some very crazy gun laws in this country. Not just federal laws, but the local and state laws as well. And we have to be sure we're in compliance with those laws, or we can find ourselves in a heap of trouble that can cost us our hunting license privileges, our firearms, money due to fines, court costs, and attorney's fees, and not being in compliance with those laws can possibly cost us a little bit of time in the pokey. And we all know ain't nobody got time for that. So let's talk a little bit about what the requirements are for transporting firearms for most types of travel, mainly planes, trains, and automobiles. So First, let's talk about automobiles. Now, even if we are going to travel using trains or planes to get to our out-of-state or out-of-country destination, chances are we'll be traveling in an automobile on the way to the airport or train station and on the way back from the airport or train station, as well as to and from the train station and or airport once we reach our destination. So here's where things can get hairy in a hurry if we don't do two things. Because so many municipalities have separate gun laws that govern how we transport firearms. The first thing that we need to remember 
about transporting firearms in an automobile is this. Obey all traffic laws and use caution when traveling while wearing camouflage or, if it's not turkey season, hunter orange. You know, if we don't attract attention to ourselves when we have our guns in our vehicles, then chances are we will never get stopped and we won't have to worry with those varying local gun laws. Secondly, and this is huge, this is huge, follow FOPA. Follow FOPA. What is FOPA? It is the Firearms Owners Protection Act, and it states that a person is entitled to transport a firearm from any place where he or she may lawfully possess and carry that firearm to any other place where he or she may lawfully possess and carry it. Now here's a big if. If the firearm is unloaded and locked out of reach. So what that means is this. Unloaded means unloaded. No ammo, no shell, no cartridge in the chamber, and none in the magazine or clip. Unloaded means unloaded. No shells at all in that gun or in a magazine or clip. Locked out of reach. So what does that mean? Well, in a vehicle with a trunk, it means that that gun needs to be locked in the trunk. Vehicles that don't have a trunk, like SUVs, the unloaded firearm must be in a locked container other than the glove compartment or console. So that firearm needs to be unloaded and locked in your hard-sided gun case and in the back of the SUV, not riding next to you in the passenger seat. It needs to be in the back of the SUV where you cannot reach it. Now, we know too that because states and municipalities get challenged quite often when they come out with these gun laws. We know that they often make laws restricting how we can carry or transport ammunition. So FOPA protects us in carrying ammunition as well. And that ammunition needs to be locked in a container, and that container needs to be out of reach in the trunk, or the ammo needs to be in a locked container other than the glove compartment or console. So we can lock our ammo inside our hard-sided gun case with our firearm, but it cannot be in the firearm. If it's in the firearm, the firearm is loaded. They're going to say it is loaded. So FOPA is really very easy to comply with. If we're traveling via airplane or train, we're going to have to have a hard-sided gun case anyway. And we just need to keep our firearm unloaded and in that hard-sided gun case. And the gun case needs to be locked. Even if that gun case is locked inside the automobile's trunk, the gun case needs to be locked we need to take that extra step, that extra little bit of insurance to protect ourselves. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about FOPA after we cover the other two primary means of transporting firearms. So a second way that we're most likely to transport a firearm for a hunting trip would be via train. And I know most of us here in the southeast and many of us 
out in the Midwest and the West don't really travel via train very much. But those in the Northeast actually do use trains to commute a fair amount. And it's not unusual to take a train to the airport to get on a plane to fly out west. So when it comes to traveling via train, there's some things that we need to know. The same federal protection of FOPA applies. However, we need to read up on what the individual train company's policies are for transporting firearms and ammunition. You know, and I think the ammo part of this equation gets lost a lot of times because I know I don't really think of ammo as being all that dangerous when it's just sitting there. But it is. It is an explosive and it needs to be treated with care and it needs to be treated according to the policies that these companies that we're traveling with have in place for us. A simple Google search that I did of firearms and train travel yielded Amtrak's website, which lists the conditions that we must follow to travel with Amtrak. And this is a reason why we need to know the policies. One of the conditions that they will allow us to travel on one of their trains is that we are not allowed to travel with more than 11 pounds of ammunition. That's a very strange number, isn't it? 11 pounds of ammunition. Now, most of us going on a turkey hunt are not going to have to worry about that. But, remember, most of us. So this is very interesting, and it's very challenging for a hunter like me, who likes to fire some warning shots at turkeys before they actually kill one. (laughs) I don't like to run out of ammo. So within reason... I'm going to carry what I think is more ammo than I need. And when I say within reason, I'm trying to stay within the weight limits established by the airlines and the train companies and whoever else it is that I'm traveling with. So that's what I will be paying attention to. So it just goes to show you that there really are some crazy things out there. Amtrak even has restrictions on how large the hard-sided gun case that you take on their train can be. 62 inches long by 17 inches wide and 7 inches deep. That's the maximum size of a hard-sided container to carry a firearm in for Amtrak. So we need to pay attention to these kind of things before we just run out there to jump on a train or jump on a plane to travel to our hunting destination when that may cause us delays and would put a very big damper on the amount of fun that we can have on our trip. Okay, so I want to talk about traveling on a plane next. But if you're not a premium subscriber to the Turkey Hunter podcast, then that's all that I have for you for today's free episode. And if you want to learn about transporting firearms on an airplane, then you'll need to subscribe to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. And subscribing to the premium content is very easy. All you need to do is text the word Turkey Hunter. Make it one word with no spaces. Text that to the number 44222. I will text you back with some very simple instructions that you can follow. Ultimately, you're going to be emailed a link that you can click on and it will take you to a website where you can pay for the premium subscription. The cost of the subscription is a whopping $12 a year. 
So for $12 a year, you'll have access to the premium content for this week's episode, the premium content for all the past episodes, and for the next 52 weeks, you'll have access to all of the premium content. And as we get closer to spring turkey season, we're going to be diving into some really good topics and sharing some really good tips and information and having some awesome guests. And you guys are not going to want to miss that. So you may as well go ahead and subscribe now. Okay, so before I let you go, I have one favor to ask you this week. If you learned something from this week's episode, then please share this episode via text message or email using your share feature in your podcast player app and share it with a hunting buddy. Sharing the episode is very easy to do and it will be a big help to Cameron and me. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.